Broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here across the nation, coast to coast, as we wrap up your weekend again with a weekend edition here on the Voice of Reason. Welcome aboard. It's great to have you. And it's Halloween weekend. Man, can you believe it? Halloween's finally here. I'm so excited. Although that means I'm going to have to change my intro again after this weekend. By golly, it never ends. But welcome into it. I am so excited. I was going to do a special treat on this uh, program for a Halloween episode. Usually we like to do something like that. And I feel bad. I didn't do it for my local program here in the Wichita area or for this program because there's so much to talk about. I really just didn't get an opportunity to do it. But that's okay. Uh, maybe we'll do it some other time. I we, we, Okay, just a little teaser. I reached out. I've had him on the show a few times. We've interviewed him a few times. We just weren't able to make our schedules work this time and jive together. So it didn't happen, unfortunately. But George Norrie, host to coast to coast AM. I know the legend himself. He's kind of an awesome dude. Uh, I've had him on the show two or three times throughout the radio career. He's a wonderful individual. Absolutely love having him on. We were going to have him on to talk about like cool stuff, aliens and whatever else. So wasn't able to make it happen. So I guess we'll just stick with the politics today. Totally. All right. It's the voice of reason. Have no fear. The voice of reason is here for your weekend again. And we have so much to get to bottom of this hour. Thomas Fletcher. He is the senior strategic liaison for government affairs for Americans for Prosperity. We will have him on at the bottom of this hour. We're going to touch base on where we're at. Now that Congress is starting to work again, we're starting to get things going again-ish, then what's the outlook of the country look like? What does some of the legislation look like? And how do we start getting things back on track again? We'll talk with Thomas about that here at the bottom of the hour. Hour number two is going to be a hard one. It will be a very heavy hour number two because we chatted with Aria Lightstone, now, he is in Israel live, and we recorded it yes uh, on Friday uh, because it was just the time difference. I wanted to make sure that we could get him on properly, but he's in Israel as we speak. And for those that don't know who Aria Lightstone is, we've had him on the show before as well. He is the former senior advisor to the U.S. ambassador to Israel. He was also one under the Trump administration that was very involved in crafting the Abraham Accords that were passed under the Trump administration, bringing peace to the Middle East. And the story that he has of what's going on right now in the nation of Israel with this ongoing conflict is mind-blowing. So we'll play that interview. Now, here's the thing. It's going to be a little bit different because it was such a long interview. I didn't want to trim it up. I didn't want to cut it out, and I didn't want to leave it just for the podcast listeners, although we do that most of the time if an interview is longer than what we can air on the radio show. I didn't want to do that because this is such an important, interesting, difficult interview to do that I have to play the whole thing. So we're going to do it in two parts, uh, in right out of the gate at the beginning of hour number two, and then again at the bottom of the hour, we're going to play two separate segments of it. So that way we can play it in its entirety, and that way you can hear the full thing because it's extremely important, and I don't want you to miss a single bit of that one. So Aria Lightstone, the former uh, senior advisor to the U.S. ambassador to Israel, who's in Israel at this time, who's been living in a bomb shelter for the last week, he'll be joining us on the show in hour number two. You're not going to miss that one. I want to start off the program, though. And, Chad, I have, first off, Chad, welcome from Dallas, Texas. Uh, always appreciate you uh, running the board, producing the program, as always. I have to ask you, did you hear the man himself, the most important guy in Washington, D.C. this week, Mr. John Fetterman? Did you hear him this week? 
I did not. I've kind of been removed from society this week. Because okay. Of All right. Progress reports and things like that do for my. Yeah, students. you've been a busy guy. You do some teaching stuff on the side, so yes. I have to play this for you. This was John Fetterman at a hearing on cryptocurrencies, as he's apparently the expert. In by the way, the interv- in the uh, in the room as a U.S. senator in his hoodie and shorts because apparently he doesn't wear his his uh, suits or anything. But this is him. Talking about cryptocurrency, the genius. Now, remember, this is the guy that went on late night talk shows just a couple weeks ago and said that we don't elect the the smartest and brightest individuals in this nation to run the country. Point in case on who he looks at when he looks in the mirror. This is him talking about <laughs> cryptocurrency. It's Thank you for all being here today, uh, experts. And it's always a treat to be here when I'm able to talk to people much smarter than I am. And this last time I was in this very same chair, we were talking about crypto and I asked the experts and I said uh, a couple questions and they were kind of fundamental is like, and I just want to ask you as well too, as experts, um, should crypto exist? In other word is, you know, where should it exist? Like, well, you know, why should it endure? Um, should it, should it exist? Should it, should it exist? Say what? <laughs> I mean, Chad, come on. Should should crypto endure? Should it exist? Like, uh, can you explain? Like, does does it exist? Does monopoly money exist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy! I love it. This is again an elected official, one of the 100 U.S. senators in the entire nation that's running this country. Does cryptocurrency exist? I got to play that one more time. I think this is going to be one of my new favorite clips on the show. Uh, John Fetterman from the great state of Pennsylvania talking about, you know, the very in-depth, complicated idea of cryptocurrencies. It's Thank you for all being here today, uh, experts. And it's always a treat to be here when I'm able to talk to people much smarter than I am. And obviously, last time I was in this very same chair, we were talking about crypto. And I asked the experts and I said uh, a couple questions and they were kind of fundamental is like, and I just want to ask you as well, too, as experts, um, should crypto exist in other word is you know where should it exist like you know why should it endure oh man my brain hurts just thinking how pennsylvania elected this individual he sounds like a joe biden jr this sounds like a joe biden jr now it took him three strokes and a, a case of anxiety to get there but by golly he made it to the level of joe bidenisms in this country and they're almost even better than the clips of joe biden stumbling all over himself i don't even know what he's asking uh does it exist yeah it exists it exists in the crypto world like it's not hard tangible things that exist but does it exist should it exist well it obviously does i don't does should it endure dude what are you talking about that's john fetterman for you so uh, pennsylvania i love you guys there's some really awesome stuff in pennsylvania the hell are you doing out there voting for this guy? Should we, Doesn't make any sense to me. Should we continue to have quarters? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do they endure? I don't know. They they seem to not last. Man, my brain hurts just a little bit. So there it is, John Fetterman. Um, always a pleasure to have him on this program and get the latest out of what's going on in the brain of John Fetterman. Let's get into what's trending from this week, shall we? It's your week in review. 
All right, so now apparently Washington, D.C. trying to function again just a little bit after a three-week uh, hiatus with the lack of a Speaker of the House. Now we have Mike Johnson in there, and I got to admit, a bit of a surprise with Mike Johnson stepping in because we couldn't get Jim Jordan to be Speaker of the House. And Mike Johnson's relatively as conservative as Jim Jordan is. Now, not quite as much on some of the, I guess you want to call rankings from certain organizations, but he's a very faith-based individual, a staunch conservative. And I got to admit, isn't it nice that we can go deep into the ranks of the Republican Party of a guy that has really not a whole lot of recognition, not a lot of people knew who this was, not an establishment person that's been there for the last 30, 40 years, and we can find someone, pull them out, a no-name essentially, and make them the Speaker of the House. Now, the Democrats obviously hate this and despise it, which is why the media has been criticizing him nonstop about having a lack of experience. In fact, they said that he had the second most least amount of experience of any Speaker of the House in U.S. history. The only one prior to him was only short uh, by about six months behind Mike Johnson, in meaning the terms of the amount of time he spent in the House of Representatives, that was elected back in 1885. Can't remember the individual's name. But Mike Johnson only being in uh, elected office in the House of Representatives since 2017, not a lot of experience. And guess what? It feels good, doesn't it? We don't have an establishment. We don't have a wishy-washy rhino. We don't have someone that's been there for years. And we don't have someone that's just there to go along, to get along, that's just been there to go with the flow for the last 30, 40 years. And, well, I understand the system, so I'm just going ahead and take the rein. We went deep into the Republican ranks, into the Republican coffers, and we pulled out someone that's going to be a firebrand. And what he's saying is absolutely amazing. If you've heard anything over this past week about the, uh, you know, the well-oiled machine the Republican Party is going to be, the excitement, the energy that they have, the unified party that we're going to see moving forward. And I really hope that's the case. Because so far, we've seen it in the last really couple of days that we've seen him as Speaker of the House. And right out of the gate, man, we saw some major bills be passed out of the House, including a new appropriations bill. I know, right? A new appropriations bill is that's five of 12 that have been passed. We still have a ways to go. We still have seven more appropriations bills to be passed. But the fiscal year 2024 Energy and Water Development Appropriations Bill. Now. Is it the perfect bill? I don't know. Probably not. We'll talk about some of the details here in just a second. Could we actually do more to probably cut out some funding and try and squeeze the federal government uh, to be a little more efficient? Obviously, we can always do that. But this is in the right path because just as a reminder for those that don't know, we haven't passed an appropriations bill like actual federal budget as a lump sum 12 appropriations since before the Barack Obama era. Oh, yeah. It's been a little bit. Every year, Andy, what have we been going under? We've been going unconstitutional. We have broken constitutional law for the past 20 years by passing, uh, well, just an omnibus package. We're just going to throw everything in together. We're going to pass it to see what's in it. We're just going to throw everything in with pet projects, and it's just going to grow exponentially. That's why we've seen the debt in this nation triple, quadruple, and beyond since George W. Bush and Barack Obama and Donald Trump and Joe Biden because we've had all of these presidents that have just spent on whatever because they haven't had to have been restrained by a federal budget. That's why we had a debt ceiling crisis earlier this uh, this year in June. So this is a good step. Is it the end-all, be-all? Of course not. But it's a good first step. Here's the best part about this. It passed with almost all Republican unison in the House of Representatives and... It cuts almost a trillion dollars of spending 
when it comes to this appropriations bill alone. Almost at like $790 billion it has in cuts from this department alone. And I think that's something that we should celebrate. So what does this actually entail? And again, by the way, this is all under our new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who wants to get things done with a well-oiled machine of the Republican Party that he says is going to be properly representing the people again and make it the people's house. Again, in this bill, and think of the topic here, the Energy and Water, uh, the energy and water Development Appropriations Bill. This handles our basic infrastructure, and this handles energy. Like, oh, I don't know, making everything go electric, for example. What do they have in this bill? $19 billion for the modernization of the nation's nuclear weapons stockpile and infrastructure. Probably necessary for the things that are going on in the world today. Uh, scary and sad, but necessary. $1 billion for naval reactors to support operational nuclear fleets around the nation. $2.3 billion for defense of nuclear non-proliferation to reduce the dangers of hostile nations. Say what? I know. Prioritizing energy. Uh, security and economic competitiveness, supporting domestic uranium enrichment capabilities, including high uh, and low enrichment uranium, which is essential to reduce U.S. reliance on foreign uranium sources, advancing small modular reactors and advancing reactor demonstration projects, providing more than $200 million for the production of critical minerals, requiring funds to be used for the Department of Energy in a manner consistent with the research security provisions of the CHIPS and Science Act, prohibiting oil from strategic petroleum reserves to be sold to any entity owned by or under the control or influence of the Chinese Communist Party, and it goes on. Oh, my. Actually making us a little more energy dependent, independent. We'll talk some more of this when we come back here. It's the Voice of Reason's Weekend Edition. we got a lot to get to. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. I am so excited about this bill, this appropriations bill, number five of 12. Do we still have some work to do? Absolutely. But I got to read you. And by the way, you can find all this information on GOP.gov. The state, the National Republican Party shows all the talking points for what was passed in this appropriations bill. Take it with a grain of salt. Does it actually do what they say they're doing? Well, hopefully, I would hope so if they're promoting it this way. But we talk a lot about what we're trying to rescind, what we're trying to clean up in Washington, D.C. And these guys, man, if this is happening under this new I, I told you, even Kevin McCarthy, there was a, there's a lot of naysayers out there. It's really going to make a difference. And we're still only having the house. Yeah, but the messaging's important. Leadership's important, and you can have one leader that's just trying to do everything himself by being out in the media and just doing it all by himself and putting in the wrong people in power because he doesn't know how to delegate duties. Or you can have somebody that goes in and delegates to the right appropriate people. I mean, Donald Trump struggled with that a little bit, but he had the right idea because he was a business guy. He knew he couldn't micromanage everything, so he put the right people into the right position. And if they didn't do a good job, he got rid of them and put somebody else in there. And that was something that he did I think very well overall. It seemed like Mike Johnson's working his way there. This bill is incredible if this is what's really happening. According to this appropriations bill, this 2024 Energy and Water Development Appropriations, not only does it fund 
us to make sure that we're trying to be energy independent. We're stopping us borrowing energy and, and you know oil and uranium and everything else from China or other nations. But look at what it's cutting out of the federal government. It rescinds $5 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act. <laughs> the, big, uh, the, the big success, quote unquote, for the Biden administration. It eliminates any funding for unrelated climate change activities from the Corps of Engineers and Bureau Reclamations, including electric vehicle procurement and climate cops across the corps. It makes targeted reductions to apply to energy programs that ought to receive large amounts of funding from the Infrastructure Investment Act, along with the Jobs Act. Here's what else it does. It cuts more than $180 million from Justice 40 initiatives that prohibit funds to be used to implement the initiatives from the Department of Energy. Here's the fun part. And farmers, those that have lots of land, agricultural industry, you're going to love this. This bill terminates the Biden administration's waters of the United States rule, the WOTUS rule. And for those that don't know what that is, the Obama administration put this into effect. It was repealed under Trump, and then Biden brought it back again. The waters of the U.S. rule essentially says that if it rains really, really, really hard in your backyard and it makes a pond or a large body of water, that is now considered, quote-unquote, navigable waters, and therefore it is not under control of you, but it is also under the control now of the federal government because it is, quote-unquote, navigable waters that they decide is now their property, and you can't touch it. You can't do anything with it. They delegate what you're allowed to do with that amount of water sitting there on your own property. That gets rid of this. It's a ridiculous law. It's stupid how it, is, how it was even passed in the first place. This appropriations bill passed this to eliminate. It provides regulatory certainty for water deliveries across California. It uh, protects Americans against religious discrimination. Not sure what that has to do with energy and water, but okay. Prohibits the implementation, administration, and enforcement of the Biden administration's executive orders on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It removes all of these, or at least a large chunk of the executive orders the Biden administration has put in the place over the last three years that are not popular and that are not doing service to America. All of this is in this bill, and it was voted on, by the way, almost unanimously by the Republican Party in the House. Now, here's going to be the challenge, and here's the next question. With this bill being passed... Will the Republicans then stay strong? The House of Representatives, who is the one that crafts the appropriations bills and has the power of the purse, they're the ones that decide on what funding is going to look like, which means now when they pass it over to the Democrats in the Senate and the Democrats balk and try to push back and say, no, we're not accepting this, that's when we say, all right, fine, when we shut down the government, that's on you because you're not passing it. We already did our job. Sayonara, my friends. We're going to Christmas holiday. It's going to be great. Thomas Fletcher, Americans for Prosperity, right after this here on The Voice of Reason. Lots more to get to. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the Voice of Reason. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride. As always, really happy to have our next guest back on the program. As you know, we work very closely with Americans for Prosperity. Great partner with us here on the Voice of Reason as we broadcast all over the country on multiple radio stations all over the place. But now that we have action back in Washington, D.C., we have a Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, officially taking that gavel earlier this week and saying that the Republican Party essentially 
from what he says will be a well-oiled machine. And while the world's burning around us, that we are going to get things back on track and truly represent the people of the United States. Is that true? And what could we see moving forward? Happy to have on the program, he is the Senior Strategic Liaison for Government Affairs for Americans for Prosperity. It's Mr. Tom Fletcher. Tom, how are you, my friend? Great, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's good to chat with you. So much to talk about. I got to ask you first, let's go back the last couple of weeks where things have been kind of stagnant. We went into a continuing resolution where it was, I think, a little concerning for some conservatives, which is why we saw the movement to remove Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. We've gone through a few weeks of trying to figure out what direction the Republican Party was going to go, really making legislation stagnant or at least conversations on a federal budget or on a farm bill or other issues that the House can deal with right now. Do you think that delayed us enough to where we may not see a full-on budget by the end of the year? Where do you think we stand now? After a three year or a three week delay, yeah, great question. Um, and again, thanks for having me on. It's great to talk with you. Um, you know, I think that we are, as far as you know, some of the items that you just mentioned, we are. You know, the, the time is uh, time is running out. I think you know the uh, the House now that they finally have a Speaker of the House uh, is going to attempt to at least pass some appropriations bills on the floor, try and get them moving to again break the logjam that we've kind of been under, and hopefully, you know, we have less of a uh, you know less kind of a uh, you know a um, a dash towards the end of the year, as we typically have, uh, you know, in the years past, where you know, where, where everyone's members, staff are waiting to go home for the holidays, and we're and we ended up passing a very large bill that nobody has read and is packed full of goodies uh, that, frankly, don't uh, you know answer uh, the, the answer the call for really the needs of the American people. So, you know, I, I think that you know we've taken uh, taken a good first step, and that is getting the chamber moving again, uh, having a speaker. Uh, obviously, is is very very important and essential to conducting uh, business of the House. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, you know, they put out a revised calendar. Where I think they're going to try and keep members uh, in town to where they're doing legislative business, uh, home early. Uh, you know, and uh, and and canceling some uh, you know work, uh, canceling some district work periods. So hopefully, we'll see some uh, we'll see some action on that front. That would be really nice. I know right out of the gate after they voted for the speaker that afternoon, they were even voting on a bill for funding for Israel, support for Israel in some way that was a little bit different from what the Biden administration had pushed for with their $100 billion that would go towards a little bit towards Israel, the rest towards Ukraine and some other pet projects that they had. So it sounds like, uh, at least from what the Republicans are saying, that they're taking their stand and wanting to kind of correct course a little bit from the Democrats that have been kind of controlling the narrative for a while I guess the big question is, Tom, is how far do you think that will be able to go? Because conservatives want to stand their ground. They want to draw the line in the sand for the funding on where certain projects are going or uh, what the federal budget may look like. But we know that coming up here with the ending of the continuing resolution, there's going to be a lot of pressure from the Democrats and the mainstream media. Are they going to be able to hold their own? And what could that potential conversation look like? Great question. And I'd say it's, early, it's not quite early days because, like you said, the 17th is, uh, is, is a lot closer uh, than, than we realized. But I think first, like I said, uh, previous question, they've taken the first step, right? So yeah. before that, you know, Rep- uh, House, you know, conservatives, House, House Republicans, there was no negotiating position because in order to have a negotiating position, you have to be able to have, uh, you know, you have to have been able to pass and be able to pass bills out of your own chamber. So that way, you know, you can, this is how our government works, right? And that, you know, one chamber passes one thing, the other chamber passes theirs and you kind of and you go to conference and you work it out so i think the goal is at least to try and uh you know set up a negotiation where you know there can be a give and take and we'll see and frankly you know we'll see we'll see what happens there but i think that trying to pass their own bills is a welcome step and to try and you know push back on what has frankly just been one-way traffic coming out of the u.s senate and that is kind of their 
take it or leave it approach in terms of uh, their legislation. So we'll see. I mean, it is, we've got a busy couple of weeks coming up here before uh, the 17th, which obviously is when the government, when the, the continuing resolution fires. That being said, you know, there are ways to, uh, and, and one of the problems, Andy, is that we kind of have just this brinksmanship that is, you know, characterized Washington for far too long. And there's, and one thing that we should do is frankly end it. And one thing that we can do to end it uh, is, and the Senate was uh, trying to vote on this uh, last night. It ended up not happening, but that is preventing government shutdowns. Uh, and that is just yeah. frankly just keeping spending flat. And it, in the event that you can't uh, pass a budget or pass your appropriations bills, the government doesn't shut down. You just keep it levels as it is. And that, and that gives you more time to work on appropriations bills and budgets. So, you know, that's, that's one frankly easy measure that, uh, you know, Congress could take. Unfortunately, they didn't take it last night. But we're definitely going to keep uh, beating the drum on that because, frankly, brinksmanship is a big part of the problem. Amen to that. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Like you said, I mean, the fear is is that the government shuts down. People are going to die in the streets. Everybody's going to lose their funding. Social Security is not going to go out. These are the fear tactics that they use, like you said, to create this massive omnibus package to say that we need to pass it to see what's in it, in the words of Hillary Clinton uh, or uh, Nancy Pelosi when she said that a few years ago. But we did see a bill from, I believe, Senator James Lankford from the state of Oklahoma a few months ago during the first time that we did the continuing resolution expansion, uh, saying, hey, maybe we should not allow the government to shut down. Like you said, just keep the steady flow going until we actually have the proper appropriations bills done so we can actually get back to a budget. Because, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't seen an actual federal budget with the 12 appropriations bills since, like, the Barack Obama administration or even before that. I want to say maybe, and I, I have to get fact check on this. I want to say you go back maybe even to the early 2000s. Frankly, it, it is it just goes to show you how far off the rails Washington has gone uh, in terms of just in terms of just regular legislative business and how this place is supposed to function. You know, it it really illustrates what is a really big problem. And again, kudos to Senator Langford who I think uh, has really identified a problem here. And uh, it, in all fairness, this is a he has bipartisan support for this piece of legislation. He had actually a handful of uh, Democrats join him, a number of Republicans last night. So. There is, there is, it's nice to see that both sides, while not in the majority, do see this as a problem and see and, and would like to try and find a way out of it. Because like you said, no one likes, especially going to the Thanksgiving holidays and with the Christmas holidays coming after that, no one likes going into those with the potential of a shutdown looming in the background, especially when so many people be traveling. Uh, you have a lot of uh, services that are really, you know, that's when they're operating at their peak to, you know, have to deal with something like that uh, as a potential as a potential uh, scenario. So yeah, absolutely. We obviously, and I got the privilege to go with your foundation down to the southern border earlier this summer and talk about some of the migration issues. Obviously, we've seen a major migration influx over the past really three years under the Obama, uh, the Biden administration, and it continues to get worse. They finally started talking about trying to seal the border just a little bit, but it's not obviously doing anything. They're really expansionist. Let's create an app that people can sign up for and we'll just kind of let people streamline in that's causing even major cities like New York City to say, you know, we really don't want you around here a whole lot any longer. What's your solution and what do you think is what's kind of the, the, the tweet tweets going on behind the scenes in Washington right now on how we can start addressing this issue a little more um, aggressively? Well, I think first things first, and that is, you know, Congress needs to basically you know reestablish its role as, again, the legislative making body that essentially makes the laws in this country. And unfortunately, right now, uh, and, you know, in the, and this isn't, you know, the Biden administration is not alone. You have the executive essentially, you know, you had, I'm sorry, you've had the legislative branch outsourcing its decision-making and its, you know, legislative making authority to the executive. And so you have essentially the you know, executive branch making most of these decisions, much to the chagrin of a lot of members of Congress who want to do something on this issue. You, know, you said you made it to the border. Things are, are hardly ideal 
when it comes to our border policy, when it comes to our immigration policy. And that's one thing that we really need to you know, get our arms around is that, is, and that is Congress needs to start legislating on these issues because this is what members, this is what people elect members to do. It's not to duck the hard decisions. It's to, you know, make decisions around our immigration policy, our border policy. And it's, it's very, very, it's very, very apparent that, you know, we are, la- we are lacking a lot of leadership in that regard. And, and we need to, and we need to reestablish it. We're hanging out with Thomas Fletcher. He is the senior strategic liaison for government affairs for Americans for Prosperity. Americans for Prosperity.org. Great partners with us here on the Voice of Reason. Last question before we let you go, and I appreciate your time very much. But let's talk about the Farm Bill of 2023, another big piece of legislation that's kind of partnering with the federal budget. And I have to ask this, is there any opportunity for us to finally start splitting the difference between the food stamp program that takes roughly 80 to 85 percent of the Farm Bill and the funding for actual farmers in the agricultural industry? Well, great question. And you hit the nail on the head there. The, 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 one of the dirty secrets, I feel like, uh, within the Farm Bill that unfortunately isn't as well known as we would like it to be is that is most of it, as you said, does not go to uh, agricultural and farmers' needs. Uh, it is largely a social spending bill that goes to uh, SNAP, uh, welfare programs, frankly, not what, it, not what its original intent was designed for. So therein lies, you know, a massive problem. And, yeah, you have a lot of uh, members on the Hill who are looking to, you know, reform uh, this package, looking to reform how we spend this money, especially how it's, you know, how, how we, uh, you know, in terms of the programs that are funded. So, you know, we, uh, I, I think that there needs to be, you know, a, 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 you know, an understanding. And frankly, you know, there needs to be, we need to take a hard look, especially as, you know, we are spending more money as a country, uh, you know, in just pure deficit spending. I think we're going to, we're going to hit two trillion dollars this year. Uh, we need to look at how we spend money. And frankly, you know, where the, a lot of the money that Congress spends on a year to year basis, um, is not really the bulk of where our, our where our deficit and debt problems come from. Those are uh, largely mandatory programs uh, or entitlements. And you know, obviously, when you have uh, ballooning packages like the Farm Bill, you know, they only add to the fiscal instability that we you know continue to face as a country, and are only continue to and are only growing with time. So, obviously, looking at programs like the Farm Bill, looking at packages like the Farm Bill, you know, are things that we ultimately are going to have to take a look at because they're on an unsustainable trajectory. And frankly, to your point, they don't go to what they were, which what they were originally intended to go to in terms of you know, the program. So absolutely, you know, we need to take a, there needs to be a, you know, I think a hard look in terms of how, uh, in, in terms of how that is, uh, in terms of how that's done. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, we are, like we said a couple times on this conversation, uh, you know, we're really running up against a lot of different deadlines. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, I think thoughts in terms of what you do with the current farm bill, uh, in terms of you just extended a year. Uh, are we going to just, you know, are we going to just, you know, wait till next year, short-term extension? A lot of those things are still yet to be worked out, so we'll see. But, you know, obviously not, uh, not the ideal place uh, we find ourselves in right now. There it is. That was Thomas Fletcher, Americans for Prosperity. We'll continue that conversation when we come back here. It's the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition. Stay right here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier Holics gather every week. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Well, obviously, we got to gather here every single week, man. We have our weekly duty to get together and talk about the shenanigans of the world. Welcome back into it. Thanks again to Thomas Fletcher coming on the program, Senior Strategic Liaison for the Government Affairs 
for Americans for Prosperity. Great partners with us here on the show, americansforprosperity.org. Make sure to go and check them out. Help them financially, help them with boots on the ground, with making phone calls, supporting the organization any way you can. The largest grassroots organization in the entire nation, and that's pretty awesome. He uh, gave some great insight on what's going on with Washington, D.C. It is good to finally see something happen. It's good to see something happen productively, and it's good to see something happen with some strong conservative leadership. Even though we may only have a three, four, five-seat majority in the House of Representatives doesn't mean that we can't hold our ground. And that's been the struggle for a while, hasn't it? Because under the McCarthy leadership, even prior to that, we haven't had leadership that's willing to stand their ground and push back. And you know Democrats are going to lose their minds when they hear the repealing of the WOTUS rules, when they hear the repealing of certain electric vehicle regulations. They're not going to be happy. And I see that's totally okay. That being said, let's get into something that's going on right now is, again, because we're one of the only live programs on the weekend talking about these issues, we get to break it before anybody else. Or let's do this one. There we go. What's trending today? So this was done earlier today at the Republican Jewish Coalition headquarters in Las Vegas. I just couldn't sit this one out. But the Bible tells us that there's a time for every purpose under heaven. I'm traveling across the country over the past six months. I came here to say it's become clear to me. This is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Whoa. That was Mike Pence earlier. Uh, Hat tip to, uh, I believe, Fox News on that audio for that. From the Republican Jewish Coalition headquarters, Mike Pence, they're starting to drop off as we get closer to the end of the year. And another presidential candidate on the way down. And Mike Pence is gone, my friends. Now, here's the thing, and we can talk about whether you like Mike Pence or not like Mike Pence. I find that quite fascinating. He wasn't really doing anything in the polls, a couple of points here and there, not really gaining any traction because Donald Trump still has such a wide margin of lead. He continues to talk about, by the way, to encourage people not to go down the road of populism, which I get. I'm not a fan of populism either, but you did literally run as vice president of the United States and became vice president of the United States with a populist conservative candidate. So I don't know why all of a sudden now populism is a bad thing in your eyes. What I find interesting here, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe this is just me. You spoke at the Republican Jewish Coalition and announced that you were stepping aside from presidents of the United States. I'm assuming that during your speech, you talked a lot about the ongoing conflict in Israel with the Jewish community. I'm assuming that the majority of that conversation had to do with the Jewish people and the right for the Jewish people to survive and the right for the Jewish community to have a place in their homeland, which is Israel and which is the Jerusalem area. I'm assuming that was the priority topic. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe this is just me thinking a little bit too much into this, but is that maybe the wrong time, the wrong place to announce that you're not running for president of the United States? Now you can hear the murmurs everybody in the crowd when he made that announcement so it seemed like it was a bit of a shock and awe for some that they weren't expecting this but the focus should be at the republican jewish coalition headquarters in uh las vegas nevada the focus should be the jewish community and what they're going through right now with anti-semitism from the democrat side of the aisle from progressives that have seen radical anti-semites in elected office with palestinian flags being waved 
within congressional offices. That should be the focal point. Mike Pence taking the focal point away from the Jewish community and onto him, saying that he's had a lot of thoughts and prayers and that he's deciding not to run for president of the United States. Is that a little weird? Just a little weird that happened at that location. He could have done it at a university. He could have done it at a presidential rally. He could have done it at another speaking banquet for like donors or something and and made that announcement. I don't know what he could have done, but a little out of taste on that one. I'm going to go to the Jewish community while they're like being slaughtered and being attacked across the nation here. And I'm going to tell them I'm not running for president anymore. It's a little strange. I don't, maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong there. Maybe that's just me. But to me, that seems a little self-centered, a little narcissistic, a little weird. Why you would make that the time and place for you to do that. I don't know. There it is. Mike Pence out, though. They're going to start dropping like flies by the end of the year. Get prepared. Will Donald Trump hang on to this massive majority in the polls going into the hardcore primary season? Time will tell. We'll do some more of that when we come back. Hour number two right around the corner. we got so much more to talk about. It is your weekend edition of The Voice Reason. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here.